what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, CEOs, hustlers, people in and around the world that are in their thing, they're on their vibe, they believe in what they're building. They're doing it regardless of what society thinks. They are anti-status quo people. All of you are, clearly. And our guests are no different than you. You are no different than our guests. Every week we have people that come on and we, they talk about, you know, what are they experiencing in real time while they're building something that they believe in? Um, you know, look, they, they take a lot of risks themselves as well, too. Not everybody understands the route that they take, but they're trying to stay close to their truth. And that's exactly what we promote here on the show. And you guys always hear me say that we don't glamorize or glorify end success. <clears throat> we know it's certainly not overnight. Everybody here will tell you it's not overnight. I will tell you it's certainly not overnight. And it's all about humanizing this entrepreneurial, this creative uh, journey of pursuing our truth. And so that way you know that no matter what phase you're in, we're all doing the same thing. We're all figuring it out. I'm Matt Gottesman, uh, founder and editor, chief of HDF Magazine uh, on Instagram, uh, at Matt Gossman on Instagram, and at uh, Hustle Sold Separately on Instagram. Today's sponsor is Hustle Sold Separately. And you can, <laughs> I've been wanting to do that actually for a little while. Uh, I've just been meaning to. Um, I will be sponsoring myself um, here going forward um, because I just think that that's a, uh, the thing to do when you um, have such a great audience. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to do actually an episode on um, about uh, maintaining your ownership over all of your work. We're going to talk about that uh, here in an upcoming episode. So uh, I'd like to say thank you to today's sponsor, Hustle Sold Separately, and Matt Gottesman for being so proactive with the show. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, guys, I really do appreciate each and every one of you. And thank you for you know subscribing and for rating and reviewing. You know, Apple takes that stuff seriously. And I got another great show for you guys here uh, with Dr. Richard Brown. He's a plastic surgeon and founder of Brown Plastic Surgery. We're going to talk here in a little bit. We're going to go way beyond plastic surgery, though. Um, but uh, and talk a lot about success. Um, and, uh, you know, it's this idea of uh, when, when I asked when I asked uh, Richie about this, he's, I said, you know, hey, give me give me some themes of like what you really are passionate about. And he mentioned, well, success is a moving target. It's a forever moving target. And I, I really related to that because we are constantly evolving as human beings. And the idea of success is different for every single person. And society might try to categorize it um, either monetarily or materialistically because those are things that we can see but it's different for everybody because characteristically or internally it's it's more of a feeling that i think that people are looking for now it's not to say that there are things that come with that and bonuses like material things and whatnot and other things um but you know if you were to gauge happiness and um you know feeling free freedom, love, like all these different things, you, you'd notice that like a lot of these are all feelings that are free, right? So we're going to talk about how success is a forever moving target and chasing our better version of ourselves and what that really means. So to give you just a little bit of background on Dr. Rich Brown, based in Scottsdale, Arizona, so I have him here in the studio. 
highly skilled plastic surgeon with over a decade of experience in his field. He's an expert plastic and reconstructive surgeon, uh, and he's uh, dedicated to helping others feel more confident in their own skin. Uh, if you go onto his Instagram, he really shows you <laughs> exactly what's going on uh, with the skin. So uh, I highly uh, uh, recommend you checking him out. And then, uh, you know, he's a native of Atlanta. He earned his undergraduate degree from the University of Georgia uh, before attending medical school in Chicago. Um, uh, Dr. Brown developed an interest in surgery while working uh, as an orderly cleaning up um, you know, operating rooms at Piedmont Hospital in Atlanta. And then he was eventually able to observe many surgeries. And the more he saw performed, the more he knew he wanted to become a surgeon himself. Uh, earned his medical, deg medical degree from the Chicago Medical School. Um, first came to appreciate the specialty of plastic and reconstructive surgery during his general surgery training uh, at one of Chicago's inner city hospitals. And he just he saw the power of plastic surgery in changing and restoring lives after trauma. So not just necessarily what you all were thinking. And uh, working with plastic surgery residents uh, there, he conducted innovative research on the topic of scarring and wound healing. And then during that time, he wrote papers that were published in one of the top plastic surgery uh, journals, Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. After completing medical school, he attended Northwestern University to complete his general surgery residency. You guys get the idea that this stuff is a journey and takes time. Just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Uh, and then Doc Brown went to become Dr. Brown be, uh, went on to become uh, certified by the American Board of Surgery and General Surgery, and complete his residency training in the field of plastic and reconstructive surgery at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha. And he is now board certifications in two in both general surgery and plastic surgery and is board certified plastic surgeon by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. So these are no small feats. We're very lucky to have somebody that is this busy here in the studio. I appreciate you, brother, for being on the show. Thanks for being in the studio, too. Hey, man, thanks for having me here. And this uh, this is always a point of confusion for people. You can totally call me Ricky. That's what I go Cool, by. yeah, yeah. Because, I, I, you know, I, I've called you like... Uh, probably about five different names since, <laughs> since meeting you like a month back or whatever. <laughs> so, I get rich, yeah. Richard, Ricky, and I say yeah. Ricky and they're like, do you really go by Ricky? I'm like, that's my name. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So we've got Ricky in the studio here with us right now. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. You're, you know, when we first uh, went uh, to lunch, you told me a lot more about your background and like, I thought it was phenomenal because what you're doing now was not anything you had anticipated at all. Um, but I mean, you start to see the vision along the way, so you can go as far back as you want, but like, tell everybody what you told me. Yeah, for sure. So Matt and I have had the honor of, of having some lunch together and sitting and chatting and connecting. And, and I, I appreciate you, my man. I love your show. What you're doing is great. And I'm, I'm honored to be here. So, so going back, my friend it goes way back to the days where I was born in Georgia. Um, I'm going to try to give you the brief cliffs notes, but, uh, it's, it's relevant information. So I grew up in a small town in Georgia, Macon, Georgia is where I was born. Um, grew up across the street actually from an OBGYN. And so that's kind of where I sort of became connected with medicine a little bit. And then my parents had a, a computer company selling computers to medical practices to kind of automate them like way back in the 80s. So way ahead of their time with the way things are now. We moved to Atlanta when I was younger. And when I was in Atlanta, um, just kind of was always an average student, you know, I was never a killer student. And, and to be honest with you, being a little bit vulnerable, when we left Atlanta to move here was in sixth grade for me. And I pretty much flunked out of the sixth grade, which is, which is really, really crazy. Right. I mean, I, it was never an issue of intelligence. I think I was just a young boy who, who didn't really have the energy to study. So I got held back that year. And so once we moved there, uh, kind of cruised through high school 
ended up going and spending two years at Syracuse for college. And when I was there, I was accepted into their communication school. And I really just never, never had any draw to do something specific as far as business was concerned. And so as I was there, of course, I realized it became too cold of a scenario for me being a Georgia boy, 200 inches of snow a couple years in a row. And I transferred back to the University of Georgia. And when I was in Georgia or at Georgia, my senior year of college, um, I was deciding that maybe I was going to be pre-business and then just go work for my dad's company, my mom and my dad's company. While I was sitting, I remember kind of having this epiphany sitting in the library one night and studying supply and demand curves and just kind of being like, man, this is so boring. How could anyone ever do this for a living? And so not really having the foresight of what that meant to business, I started exploring something I'd always loved, and that was the sciences. So I just decided to take a few science classes and got A's without even trying. And I'd kind of, like I mentioned previously, not been that great of a student. So fast forward, I decided my senior year to become a doctor after sort of shadowing at the hospital, working in transport, moving people around. I sort of found my love and my connection with people by transporting people from ultrasound to the operating room and back and forth to their rooms. And I kind of grew this love and compassion for, man, this is a real connection with people. So at that point, I decided to go to medical school. All the odds were against me, didn't have great grades, mapped it all out, went home, told my parents, hey, look, if I could, if I could become a doctor, it's going to happen now. And I mapped the whole thing out and how long it would take me, told my mom, and she said, we fully support you. So go meet with the pre-med advisor, and he tells me, you're a long shot, buddy. You're not going to get in. Like, these, these people you're up against have had 4.0 since they started. So I said, okay, the best way to get me to do something is to tell me that I can't do it. <laughs> So I ended up saying, to heck with it, I'm going to go do this. And I made my own path and subsequently ended up getting into med school after kind of making it happen for myself. And as you had alluded to in the intro, I had a year off before I got to go to start medical school and I just got a job at the hospital and we'd had a friend who was a plastic surgeon in Atlanta and he got me a job working in the operating room, just kind of mopping floors, cleaning up rooms. And I found myself captivated by the surgeries. And I just started watching surgery and getting really interested. And the surgeons were like, hey, yeah, come on in, you know, between cleaning rooms, anytime you want to watch, let's watch. So I started to develop my love for surgery and the connection of just instantaneously fixing someone really grabbed me. So I ended up going to med school. And in med school, I still really kind of didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. So after I finished my second year and we start third year rotations, I, I knew surgery was what I wanted to do. So I ended up getting into general surgery in a very trauma-heavy trauma center doing a lot of that stuff. And then, as you said, I met some plastic surgery residents who sort of were trying to say, hey, listen, plastic surgery is a really interesting field. You should check it out. I got to see a lot of traumatic gunshot wound people be reconstructed by plastic surgeons. So I ended up doing the research and everything you talked about, and, and I decided to go into plastic surgery. So I did finish general surgery and then ended up getting into plastic surgery. And, and here we are, man. I've been in practice for 10 years, and, and it's been a, a moving target, to say the least. It's interesting. I've been t I'm like snapping all these like Hollywood photos of you at the same time and listening. But luckily, <laughs> I'm so I know your story. Hollywood, baby. No, and I, it's funny. Like, because I, I was just listening to what you were saying, and I was putting this on the story, saying like being told no, check, mopping floors, check, doing the work, check. You know, because it's true. Like, it's it's the, um, you know, uh, it's so fascinating to me when people say, oh no, like you know, you, you don't have a shot. Like, are you 
God. (laughs) Exactly. It's insane, you know, but it just goes like anything else in life. Like how many stories do we hear of people like, you know, like Michael Jordan didn't make it on his high school basketball team, you know? Yeah. Like it's just people just, when you want something, you just go for it. And it's kind of cool because some of the stuff we're going to talk about today I think that when it's in your brain and it just feels right and you know it's happening, you just shut everyone else off and you just do your thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's true. And, and it's on that first topic, which was you brought up, overnight success is rare to non-existent. I, I, I didn't even know it does exist. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you get like one of those like whims where like the people like win the lottery or something like that, and then even then they go and blow it all. But like, but. Um, no, you and it's right. Like even what you brought up about like Michael Jordan, what most people don't know is that like he was first to show up to practice and and uh, last to leave. He was not. Was he the first pick or was he not the first pick that year? Right? Wasn't he like uh, the third he, pick or I, something like that? Yeah, I don't think he was a. First, was he a first round? I don't, I don't know. I'm I mean, not he's sure a first, I know he's a first knowledge. round. I know he's a first round. I just I don't think he was the first pick that year. I think yeah, it was like he the may not third or fourth or whatever. Just it just which is still really high, but just kind of goes to show you like you know the the constant. Um, ability to show up for something that you believe in like anything that's going to be one is going to be one with the work and the consistency like you know um you know the talent can only get you so far it's the work and the consistency oh yeah i just finished uh i'll plug the book uh tim grover wrote a book called relentless and he was michael Mm, jordan's um sort of physical and mental coach yeah and in his book he talks about you know he's like you know why mike was the most successful basketball player he had more talent than anyone on the field and he worked harder than everyone in the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that the, the talent needs work. Totally. Uh, otherwise, and, and you see this all the time. You see this with coaches, right? Like you see that when people are very talented, um, but if they can't listen and they can't keep molding that craft, that raw talent doesn't have cohesion. Totally. Right? With its team, with its its customers, or in this case, the fans, with its, you know, with the team, you yep. know, all that stuff, right? So. 100%. Um, so that that lesson of being told that you said that if you the quickest way to get you to do something is to tell you no <laughs> where does that come from um i think part of it and the reason i kind of went way back to childhood was that a lot of where i've come now i didn't believe in myself mm. i had a learning disability growing up uh i had a reading comprehension learning disability i was in special ed classes when i mentioned flunking out of sixth grade i think a lot of that became very mental for me, man. Like I knew I wasn't stupid. Right. And, and so I think the, where that comes from, that attitude slowly started to develop that I was like, I'm not an idiot. If I want something, I'm going to do it. And if you tell me I can't do it, then you better freaking bet. I'm going to believe I'm going to do it. Yep. You know? And, and I mean, even my father, I'll tell you, my father now is my, he's my biggest fan. Couldn't be happier for my success and where I am. But at that time, rightfully so as a parent, I remember him saying, in addition to like the, the pre-med advisor, because he worked around physicians and he knew what it took. He was like, man, I don't know. You've just always struggled in school. Like, I don't think you know what you're up against. It's just going to be a real battle and like not super supportive in the beginning. But of course, once I did it and that that for me was even a second like, OK, I'm definitely doing it now. Isn't it interesting? Because it's easy to look at the physical world and say, well, I'm equating X to Y. Like I'm equating school to becoming a doctor and since technically historically school hasn't been in your favor therefore i'm going to conclude this assumption versus wait a minute there's something internal going on at it at a soul level at a passionate level at a purposeful level 
And that will always dominate over external, you know, assumptions based on, you know, experience and things like that. There's, there's something always going on, like internally that drives us way beyond what, like, you know, what we did in a, you know, uh, a math class or, or I should say like phys ed or something like that. I'm trying to like not equate it to like science and math, but you know, totally. or history, but like, yeah, maybe you flunked history, but maybe like there was something always intriguing about science that just like kind of you gravitated towards. And I, you know, you know, I mean, how often do we see people who cruise through school and get straight A's when they encounter their first failure, they fall apart. A lot of people, tons, a lot of people, they actually don't know how to deal with failure. I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever told the story. I was very lucky in college. Um, so I, the irony is I actually, I, I love school, not because I wanted to, um, uh, you know, compete uh, because my parents just raised me as like, what an honor and a privilege. Like we're so lucky, you know, so just respect it and be present with it, you know, and, and we're good with it no matter what you get. But I was actually a straight A student. And in college, um, I remember I got like a B my freshman year, like a B or C on something, whatever. And uh, professor said, you're welcome. And I said, well, and he goes, I'm going to teach you a very valuable lesson very early on because you're so hardworking. He's like, I, you know, I want you to, you know, understand what it feels like to not get, you know, to not be perfect, to not have the straight A's and not, you know, I want you to start dealing with this stuff first. And I'm like, and then leave it to me. The negotiating me was, I agree with you, but that's only if I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I technically did. I mean, I think it was like a B or C, something like I technically deserved. It. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm cool with it. Like, let's get that out of the way. I mean, I, I was like, I appreciate the lesson. Thank you for giving it to me now. Yeah. Just as long as I deserve it, not just because you just want to do it. Just cause, exactly. you know? <laughs> let's just keep that like, you know, but no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, uh, hard work, you mentioned also hard work and grit over time leads to success. Yeah, no doubt. I think um, we're going to dive into success and what that means for everyone. But the reason I commented on that is that nothing happens overnight, no. you know, and I mean, this whole do it overnight success thing, it just doesn't exist. The way that we all succeed is we become passionate about what our, our goal is and what it is we're trying to accomplish. And we endure successes and failures over a long period of time, but but nothing derails you from where you're headed. And that's what I call grit. To me, grit is just you're grinding, man. Like you're you're keeping your head down and, and if something knocks you down, yeah, it hurts a little bit, but it becomes a learning situation that makes you stronger. And and I think that we have to endure that. And I certainly have over my ten years of practice. Um, and being a CEO and a doctor and a, running my practice and a father have endured tons of failures that that have ultimately gotten me to where I am today. Well, and you equated, you know, the grind to something you also passionately believe in. Mm -hmm. And I have to throw that out there because um, if we just grind only, but not with an intention behind it, um, we can like life can become significantly harder and, and unhealthy. Absolutely. So when it's done and devoted to a cause and a bigger picture, mm -hmm. yeah, because the work you can't escape. You know, the, you don't know what you don't know, and then once you do know, you have to like mold it and shape it, and you know, and create it and mm -hmm. and build it into the thing that you wanted to. One of my favorite quotes that I I use in a lot of situations, a good old Zig Ziglar quote, and I and I use this in the health and wellness stuff we're going to talk about. But I um he has a quote that goes like this: If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time right right so if you're grinding towards something that you don't know what it is good luck if you don't have some kind of a vision of what that end game is it's really hard to grind towards that yeah you know whatever that is for you 
you need to have something down the road or years down the road that that's what you're working towards. No, it, it's it's absolutely well put, and that's I always tell people, and even I, like you know, you, we have to slow down and speed up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to slow down, understand. Okay, let me check in on the vision. What's that look like? What will that be including? And am I, you know, am I actually, you know, doing those things that I can measure in a way that, like, I'm seeing outcomes? Otherwise, we're just like shooting right. all over the place, you know. So, um, so uh, success. This is an interesting, funny word, <laughs> you know. The there are a lot of definitions. What's your definition? So success has changed for me quite a bit over time. Um, I think that early in my career, my plastic surgery career and early in my life, because we get out so far beyond all of our friends who've been working forever and we've just been grinding away in school. Money was success initially to me. Like I got out and I was like, not that I needed to be rich because I wanted to buy cars and have a house, but we all want nice things and and comfortable things. But for me, for a very long time, that was success. That was how I defined success. It has changed a lot, more specifically over the past year and a half. Um, But over the past 10 years for me, I look at business business success and personal success and they're kind of intertwined. Mm -hmm. For me, personal success in my life is I have a great wife, we have a great relationship, we have two beautiful children. I'm present for them. We're healthy. We feel like we're raising them to be good members of society. That is success to me, okay? Business success to me is is ultimately it used to be a dollar value. And while we all need money to live, and it's interesting, as I have shifted this definition in my brain, I've started making more money. And you hear people talk about this all the time. When I stopped focusing on how much money I could potentially bring in or make in my business and started focusing on delivering quality care, really giving my patients what they come to me for, the experience that they need, and 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 letting go of the money that I'm making to put back into my business to grow that concept, like the bank account just continues to grow. And so it's amazing how my vision of success has changed from dollar value to quality of life and, and giving back to people and giving them what they need. And, I, and the financial success has sort of followed as we hear that cliche all the time. Yeah, no, but it, it, it's very true. And it's a fine line because, you know, we're trying to run our, our worlds like a business, you know, because in terms of um, being responsible, um, and providing the best, in your case, providing the best care, providing the best, um, you know, facilities, providing the best everything for the people you intended for. Um, and, but it's absolutely true. The moment it, you focus on the end <clears throat> customer, patient, user, whatever it is that you're providing for them and really, really caring for them, the reputation grows, the, um, the uh, output grows, the results grow, everything grows because we're more focused on how many, how many people can I help? And then how can I do it in scale? Absolutely. How can I actually do even like, you know, how can I go even beyond this and help even that many more people? You know, and for me, it's how do they feel about me, right? When my, when these patients leave my practice, the last thing I ever want them to say is he did a great job, but boy, his staff kind of stunk, man. They weren't very nice. They didn't deliver like a, and I don't want that to me. Success is when they leave and they are like, there is no other office that I could ever have envisioned myself going to for this care. That that's what I want. Amen. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and and um, I think it's important to care about our reputation. Like, I want you to have a good experience with me. And 
good experience from an honest experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think often at times people are worrying about being perfect. No, actually, you can actually be, well, I don't, not in your world. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's make that very, you can't, you got to have master hands. But I'm, what I'm saying is that um, if we don't know something, letting them know like, oh, you know what? Um, I haven't done that before. So let me, um, but I'm very capable. Like I can get that answer for you. I'll get back to you. Or, um, you know, um, putting out an exceptionally great product but still taking in feedback and understanding from the person, because especially as you maybe go down the health and wellness route and other areas, right? Like, or if you expand in any kind of like mm-hmm. productization, it's sort of like, how can I keep making something better and better by listening to the people? And the people are very understanding, actually. They're quite understanding. They're like, wow, like you're listening to everything I'm saying. And then you're, you're making the product even better. I already thought it was pretty good, but now you're making it even better because you care about me. You're like, yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, we, we did the first one right, but, you know, there's a couple of things we thought we could have changed with it. And I think that. Um, what stops a lot of businesses from being successful or people in a way in that uh, aspect is that they're so worried about what other people think versus just worrying about how to make something better and better for the people you're trying to help. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, we're not perfect. And, and I've tried to create an incredible patient experience when people come into my office. But being honest, there there are times when a patient will tell me like this happened and this really made me angry or something went wrong or they misinterpreted something that my staff took. And I think Ultimately, what makes you an amazing provider is how you react to that situation. Instead of being like, what are you talking about? My staff is perfect. They would never do that. I take the approach of, hey, where did this break down? Was this a communication problem between you and the person you had an issue with? And how can we change that to make that better? And I apologize for that. Patients receive that so well. And I think it's just part of how you grow as a business and become, quote, successful. Yeah, you know, um, communication is everything, right? Everything. And and not reacting to um, you know other people's input, but listening, observing, and then like you said, like, well, let's see what where the breakdown was. Because I, my question I actually was going to be to you: What do you do? You're having patients that are also doing something very big for themselves Mm -hmm. like it's 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 a change it's it's, when you're dealing with that level of change you're probably also dealing with some emotions correct yes how is that um it can be tough but i will tell you um one of my best qualities that i have learned in myself over this sort of personal development that i've been doing over the past year or so this is not arrogance this is confidence when i say this i in no doubt have probably one of the best bedside manners of anyone in town or in the world. And I say that because I just love people and I'm good at communicating with people. And so I feel like I'm able to connect with patients on a level that a lot of other people can't because I listen to them. I try to hear them. Despite that, sometimes things derail. And I've had to a couple of times like check myself from getting angry when someone's come at me like, hey, I didn't quite get the result I thought I would. And that's super rare that that happens. But when it does, I just feel like I'm able to talk patients through that situation. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's you just got to kind of like anything else, right? Like you got to stay calm when you're taking that three point shot with five seconds to go. With me, it's the same thing. Like when those things happen and we maybe don't completely align I'm just able to connect with people and sort of talk them through that. And, and ultimately, I've almost had everyone be happy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, that communication. And, and, and the other thing, too, is, uh, I mean, they, they just had something transform. Mm-hmm. Transformation, you know, is change. And change is emotional. 
And so sometimes they could have like something impeccable happen. And it's still taking a little bit of the internal mindset side of things to see it like, oh, wow, like actually this is incredible, you know, versus, you know. Well, I mean, what we're doing is we're changing the physical, but it's helping the mindset. It all goes together, right? Like we read books to build our mental aspect Mm -hmm. for some people. They also need to change something physically about themselves, not because they're not because they need to have bigger breasts or they need to have a flat tummy, but they look in the mirror and they've lost something they once had that made them feel comfortable in their skin. And it's unbelievably empowering for them to get that back. Um, uh, that's, that was gonna be my question. Uh, that was gonna be my question anyways, too, is the, is regarding like mindset, like how, is there a, is there a component before they set out on this journey where you're talking with them through like the mindset side of things? Oh, no doubt. So there there's for sure, you know, there's a, there's a right time and and a better there's the right time for surgery and the wrong time for surgery and a lot of that does have to do with mindset and where they are in life. Um, so I definitely when I'm when I'm consulting with a patient, I'm sort of feeling them out to see where they are in life and who they are and what they're looking for. And there are sometimes when I sense red flags, we have that discussion. Like, is this really the right time for you? Or, you know, in the book I just wrote, um, I talk about how sometimes, you know, it's like you're not going to save a marriage by getting a breast augmentation. And if I sense that you're doing something to try to save a marriage, hey, put the pump the brakes. This is not the right time. Let's have that discussion and let's do this when it's right for you. So, you know, people joke that we're psychiatrists with a knife. And honestly, it, it kind of is that way. I mean, we we have to be able to sit in front of a person and dig into their brain about what their purpose and why they're coming to me for whatever it is they want. And is it the right time? Oh, I, I feel you. I'm a therapist. I'm a psychologist. I'm a coach I'm totally <laughs> for businesses. People are like, you're like a business therapist. Oh my God. 100%. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta, still got to trademark that, but <laughs> no, but, um, but, but I'm glad that you do that because, um, understanding someone's motive or their intention for why they're doing something, I think is is also besides helping them it's also probably a very good business practice to have for you because the last thing you want to do is is help somebody where the result is fleeting and short term right because like like let's say like to your example with the marriage right is that what's helping the marriage or do two people need to go and figure out how to right. like connect more and because if doing just this doesn't end up helping the marriage you know, then what, like there's a, not, not selfishly saying like, it's not as satisfying, but in a way kind of, because like you're wanting to help the, you genuinely care about helping the person mm-hmm. and the results that they're looking for in their life. That if, if it's doing something for a short term fix and not for a long term vision or in gain, then we have to reevaluate. Yeah. You know, one thing I didn't mention that I think is huge. And, and this is sort of, um, over the years I've developed this and it's really helped me have successful results is managing their expectations. Yes. Managing their expectations pre-surgery or preoperatively is so unbelievably huge because, and this is, this works in the breast reconstruction world for the breast cancer stuff I do as well as the cosmetic world. You know, sometimes I'll have patients and I'll tell them you're looking for this level, but what's possible is this level. And if you can't bring yourself down to what, what is possible versus what it is you're envisioning, you're guaranteed to not be happy with whatever I do. Welcome to life right there. Exactly. That's in everything. Yep. Man, that like resonated with me. So I, it's, it's managing expectations is everywhere mm-hmm. because everybody has so many high expectations. Uh, and and they, sometimes I don't even think they know, understand what they're basing those on. 
You know, it's it's what's going on up here yeah. in, the, in the mindset that it's like, okay, first of all, I, I don't know, detachment and, and losing expectations is the fastest, one of the fastest ways, I think, to success. Uh, I mean, <laughs> in my field, unfortunately, today, what really sabotages that is is Instagram. Some of the fake stuff that people see on Instagram, they walk in with a picture and they're like this. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, not you. It's just not you. You're not right. that person. You're different people. And so while I use my Instagram as a great sounding board for delivering messages and talking about my field and in my personal life um it can be very detracting for a lot of people yeah yeah i mean it's uh i can only imagine how many people probably bring in like a mood board of instagram yeah. photos they're like well what about this one yeah. swipe this one <laughs> swipe you know like um and even then what's tricky there is because there's you know everybody's using the apps now that you yeah. can you can actually they're they're not even the real photos oh yeah you can and change stuff, stuff and yeah it's 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 hard today. Yeah. It's hard on Instagram. There's a lot, a lot of BS out there. A lot of people faking, people stealing. I've, I have a buddy in, in Manhattan who another surgeon stole pictures off of his website and, and went on a TV show oh my with God. his photos. Wow. Another surgeon stole his photos yes. and went on TV. Yes. And they put them on their Instagram and it's wow. just, it's unreal. I unreal. Mean, I mean, at that level, I mean, I get people steal my work all the time and then, you know, whatever, they don't give credit and all that stuff. I get that. But like, once you start kind of yeah. basing a practice off of that and like being on TV, yeah, that's... Uh, You're lying. Not only are you lying, but like, I mean, is there like a... Are there laws at stake Well, I mean, at I mean to be honest with you, there are. And in certain, <laughs> you know. he's had it happen to him several times. And the one guy that did that, I mean, I think he's trying to, to sue him or yeah. take him to court to at least make an example of it. I mean, it's it's hard, but right. who wants to spend all that money trying to bring uh, them down? But right. it's yeah. a problem. But you just, you got to the people have to do their research yeah. to know who you're going to. You know, it's funny uh, going back. If I, instead of getting my MBA, I probably definitely would have gotten a law degree. I mean, I loved my MBA, but I would have gotten a law degree not to become a lawyer. Right. <laughs> solely for business just and internet know. law. Yeah, just to know. <laughs> well, you know, um, some of the best, uh, some of the best business uh, people out there are, well, some, not all, like, you know, are lawyers, yep. you know, because they like, they know all the, like the ins and outs, whatever. But, my brother-in-law is one of them. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. So um, now you were, you're at this amazing place where what else can I do? Yeah. What else can I impact? Yep. Health, wellness, other things. Talk about like what what's going on there. Yeah. So I, I've had a huge transition with where I think I'm going to go, um, and it hit me about a year ago. Um, I'm an active CrossFitter. I'm really into health. Uh, I I need that. That's my like adrenaline for the day is being able to get in there and just enter the pain cave. It's a little sadistic, but I realized a few years back, a couple of years ago, I've been paying attention to my patients. And so I found that patients will come in who want a tummy tuck that still really need to lose like 10, 15, 20 pounds to have that slamming result. And they give me all the excuses of why they haven't been able to lose the weight and I've tried and I, and all this stuff. So I start quizzing people about, okay, well, like how many calories are you taking in a day? Do you track your macronutrients? The whole Zig Ziglar quote, right? Like if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I'm like, if you're not tracking it, you have zero clue what you're doing. And I started to realize very quickly because I was like, am I going to go down the med spa route? Like everyone has a med spa. Everyone and their mother has a med spa. And then it hit me one day. I was like, you know what? Why don't I open a wellness center as part of my practice where I take these people who are struggling, not because they suck and they don't want to do it, but there may be something to it mentally that there's a mental barrier. 
There's also the know-how barrier of how to track the food, and that's very uncomfortable, right? I've learned that people don't like to be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to make the healthy choices, and it's uncomfortable to do the right thing. So my next venture is to sort of enter this world of the wellness center, my practice, where I take a patient and I say, listen, you're already coming to me because you want to look and feel better. You need to lose 10 to 20 pounds before we do the surgery because you're not going to get a great result. And don't tell me that you need the operation to be able to work out because that's never going to happen. Let me, <laughs> let me discount your surgery maybe and funnel you into this little wellness concept where we have a body image specialist talks to you about body image. A macronutrient specialist help develop your macronutrient plan and help you sort of target out everything you need. We're going to deliver the meals here for you. You're just going to come pick them up. And by the way, I'm going to have a trainer here because a lot of patients, I realize, they say they go to the gym, they don't look like everyone else, and they leave because they're embarrassed. Ding, ding, I need a safe place. So I want to create a safe place to just start that journey. By no means do I think they're going to have their meals delivered to them for the rest of their life or work out at my office for the rest of their life. But maybe with the wellness concept, we grow that into teaching people how to meal prep. We teach people how to do this stuff. And by the way, if you go through this concept and you lose weight, and you don't need a tummy tuck, win, win for everybody. Not mm. everyone needs to have surgery. My long-term goal with that, truthfully, and it's a big goal, is that we take people, I tell people all the time, more is caught than taught with your kids. You can tell them till they're blue in the face, but they do what you do. I feel like if we can get adults to change the way they live and live healthier lives, not only will they have a long-lasting surgical result because they're set for life, that they're doing things before surgery and after surgery, but maybe their kids will see that. Maybe that will spill over into generations where now childhood obesity is affected, and I truly, truly passionately am moving the needle towards that goal. And uh, I think it's a very, it's an obtainable goal. You know, you said it's very, very big, but I think it's very, very purpose-driven, you know, and um and very integrated in the process. And the fact that, like, you know, I always say uh, either we all win or I'm not in. Totally. You know, and that's what you're, you're, you're putting people, you're putting people into a no brainer win situation that really the excuses can't exist. Exactly. And when you remove the excuses, anything is possible. Yeah, that's be- a whole nother topic. <laughs> the, the whole excuse game. Like I, I get pretty harsh with patients now. I do yeah. like not in a rude manner, but, um, you know, no one's going to do it for you. Right. No one stood over my shoulder this morning and told me to get up at four to go work out an extra hour early because my wife needed to leave to go do something for her business today. So I needed to be home to help the kids. I made that decision myself. I got my ass out of bed and I went and worked out at 5 a.m. because I needed that. And if I had gone at my regular 6 a.m. time, it wouldn't have happened today. And so people need to stop making excuses. No one's going to stand over your shoulders and tell you how to run a company, how to be healthy. Everyone's looking for the quick fix. And that's just a big, big deal for me now. And I have learned I just smack my patients in the face with it. I'm like, look, your BMI is 40. You're no, no one's doing this for you. I'm not operating on you until your BMI is 30 or less. You want it, go get it. No one's going to do it for you. I agree wholeheartedly. So I'm going to ask a question because I know where people get tripped up. So the ones who are tired of making excuses or don't want to make excuses but need help. Yes. How is it anybody listening that they can go about getting so you're in a you're in an environment where there you have a uh, dedicated wife and children. So there's a lot of motivating factors in there. There's mm-hmm. also um, you know partnership in there. People who may not have that yep. might be living alone. You know might be you know trying to build on their own. What do you recommend for those that are like I 
Ricky, I completely get it. I no excuses. I want help. How do I start? So my wellness center. <laughs> no, but honestly, that's a good question. When my when my wellness center is up and running, those are the people I want to help. I want right. to help the people who need a little bit of assistance just to get get out of that rut in life. How would you do it if you didn't have my wellness center? I think the first thing that a person has to do is flip the switch in their brain that they want to make change. Right. If you haven't flipped that switch, you're done. Right. Like it's just not going to happen, okay? Once they flip that switch, I think that changing too many things at one time becomes very difficult for people. And I think number one, you need to find, we always talk about in business, right? And in personal life, surround yourself with like-minded people. So you need to get away from unhealthy living people Mm -hmm. and surround yourself with healthy living people. More is caught than taught, right? That will start to rub off on you. Make the conscious effort to change one thing in your life. Maybe drop soda. Maybe talk to a friend about, can I go to the gym with you? Can you show me what it is you do to stay healthy? And so I think that's the biggest thing that people can do is you need to surround yourself with like-minded individuals. You know, the 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 tough part is that uh, the people I've surrounded myself with are all beasts. <laughs> so so I, I can't even go to the gym with you guys. And I'm like, yeah, I, what? <laughs> Everybody's got to start somewhere, man. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, um, you know, because health and wellness has been something that's been on on my mind. Um, I mean, I eat very clean, um, but probably should eat more. It's funny how we can actually, if uh, when you're doing an entrepreneurial life, if you don't keep yourself on a schedule, oh, you yeah. know, so not eating enough is a huge thing, which I've learned from you know another guest on our podcast, which will be popping in here in a little bit. But the um, metabolism, and uh, and then you know, um. And uh, I've done it all in exercise. I mean, some of the best shape I was in was in you know my twenties and early thirties, um, and then but going back at a different at different times, you know, it requires a different approach too. I've also noticed, no doubt, a totally different approach, you know. And so, but you're right. Um, when you surround yourself with different people, um, everybody I surround myself with um, is is constantly bettering their mind, their body their business, their approach, their relationships, their everything. You know what I mean? You know, and, and I don't want the listeners to mistake in that, that I'm perfect. Because let me tell you something. I got out of residency and I was 200 pounds. I was overweight. My wife was pregnant with our twins. I was unhealthy. I was working hard. Um, but I, I made that switch flip in my brain where I said enough is enough. And I, and I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, and it was not a straight line, you know, so my transformation over the past 10 years has been bumpy and I have stumbled and I have not achieved the body type that I wanted for myself. Not what the, what, what society is telling me, what I want to look like has been grit. We talked about grit in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I have failed lots in that, in that progression. But for me, I've sort of found CrossFit slash hit training and learned a lot about meal planning and how to eat and what works for my body that's gotten me here. So it's not a straight line. Success is never a straight no, line. No, no, it's not. When people people ask me about like, well, how'd you do it with the mind and how'd you do it with the, you know, and, and you're around really good people and you're looking younger every year. And I'm like, <laughs> well, actually, I was like, you know, there's a reason. Uh, you know, I'm like, I didn't, You, it's a, it is zigzagging. Like, I didn't know. Like, in fact, I had to start from scratch at like 35 including people like not, not not so much personal i had a few great personal friends some of them just didn't live here but i had it when you start from scratch 
you start with an intention. You start with a flip of the switch. And you're like, that's it. That's it. I'm clearing house. Right. You know, and um, and then when the intention sets in of what we want, well, that's when we start also attracting those things into our life. You know, absolutely. And then, you know, when I wanted to start learning about nutrition, this was about five years ago. I, I, one of the greatest lessons I was ever told by a nutritionist. It was so simple but so effective. She said. I want you to add one thing a week and remove one thing a week. That's it. But eight weeks from now, you're like a drastically different person with your body because you realize like how many things you changed biologically with what was going in and what was coming out, you Mm -hmm. know, so or being removed. So uh, and so, yeah, we start to attract all these different things along the way that can teach us these things. And so I always say it starts with the to your point, the flip of the switch Mm -hmm. and then then the intention. And then the, the universe will provide all these tools and all these people. They're around you. They're everywhere. In this day and age with Instagram in a good way, you can find incredibly great programs to follow and things to do with people that help you with your diet and exercise and online coaching and you name it, man, it's, it's out there. And, and look, I still eat cookies too. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's all moderation. Yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, as I've learned, uh, it's, you know, when we implement, um, just healthy habits, uh, and balance, and understanding, like you said, like the tracking and all these things, like you can technically eat whatever, so yep. long as it's all done within kind of a, uh, you know, balanced centric, a balanced centric way of, you know, you running your life as well. Not just like if you're just doing it every day. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. You know, in the beginning, though, it's hard. I, I, I live by this sort of 80, 20 rule where 80 percent of the time I really keep it between the lines and 20 percent of the time I enjoy, you know cookies and things like that i think in the beginning when you're really trying to lose weight you got to be pretty sadistic oh about yeah, it. You, yeah it's it's a hundred you got to be all in until you get where you can maintain and then you can indulge and i mean you know i know there are experts that'll that'll give better advice about that but that's just my feeling is in the beginning you really really need to get after it and not cheat too much at all well you know stick around afterwards if you want for a minute yeah, for <laughs> and, we'll, sure. and we'll, we'll, we'll we'll expand on that but uh tell me about the book real quick i'd like to yeah so um, I wrote a book. It just launched this past May, May 14th. It's called The Real Beauty Bible, Navigating Your Journey Through Plastic Surgery. Um, I'd always wanted to write a book, and this just kind of happened. Um, I decided that I was getting sick of a few things, seeing people get botched, seeing people not understand what board certification really means, um, people getting so much misinformation out there that I decided that I wanted to write a book that was basically like having a consultation with me. And what I do is I walk people through the entire process from all the things you need to be thinking about before you have surgery, like financing, how do I pick a board certified surgeon? How do I talk to my spouse about wanting to have surgery through many of the actual procedures? And it's not as much about the procedures as it is about, is this right for you? And then the third part walks them literally through your pre-op, what you're going to feel like from getting the IV the day of surgery to living with the new you. So this book is for anyone who's thinking about having a procedure, men or women, and you should be able to pick it up and read through it and instantaneously be able to cultivate a group of surgeons that you know are good surgeons and just sort of understand all the things you need to know about having a procedure. That's awesome, man. And um, where can everybody find it, by the way? Um, so this book um, is distributed. It's on Amazon. It's on Target. It's mm-hmm. on Barnes & Noble, Walmart, 39,000 websites apparently in some brick-and-mortar places. But those would be – Amazon's probably the, the number one place you can find it. It's uh, – Kindle version is there. Audible is coming nice. soon. Man, it's everywhere. And we're getting it. Yeah. we got to get everybody on the uh, the Real Beauty Bible game. Right, right. I know. I was I was seeing some of the posts online. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, uh those are some interesting, yeah, yeah, 
some interesting people. Oh yeah, we she saw Corinne from The Bachelor. Yep. Yeah, that was a that was pretty cool that she posted that. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this going to be a global book? I don't know. I hope so. It, it wasn't so much about making money as it was about putting something out there so that people make a good choice when they choose a surgeon, which I can't, it's a whole nother show that we can do, but that's really important to me. You know, the, the choices aspect is in everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything that we do. You know, you and I, we were talking a little bit about, um, through email last night about, you know, uh, when people just, um, uh, kind of throw you into a, a hamster wheel of like, Oh, here, here's a service for you. Right. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. and you're like, do people really go for that? Like who right. goes for this? And right. I'm like, I deal with it all the time. And you know, in, in, in helping, uh, in helping uh, businesses, especially when um, they've had bad experiences. Well, now, like, to cor- oh, you have to, like, overcorrect the bad experience, yep. you know, and get them back into the mindset of, like, well, when you have the right, you make the right decisions, the right, you know, intentions, the right, you know. If I had to say there's one thing in this book that is the most important thing that I, I want people to glean from is the part where I talk about board certification. And I know that I had mentioned to you that it was really important for you yeah. to speak the words that I was board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. I won't go crazy into this, but... There are dentists in town doing breast hogs. There what? are OBGYNs doing tongue tucks. There me. are it, it's unreal, okay? So the only the only board in the United States of America uh, just real quick, the American Board of Medical Specialties is the is the grand poobah, the governing entity that certifies subgroups. So they they will certify the cardiology board to certify cardiologists, the plastic surgery board to board certify plastic surgeons internal medicine to board certify internal medicine. So if you don't go to a surgeon and ask this question, okay, you go to them and you say, are you board certified? Oh yeah, I'm board certified. Great. Are you board certified by the American board of plastic surgery? Uh, well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm board certified by otolaryngology, but I did a cosmetic fellowship. Nope. Sorry. You are not a board certified plastic surgeon. And so if they can't utter the words out of their mouth that they are board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, which is the only entity in the United States of America that can certify plastic surgeons, you're being duped. Now, that's not to say they're not good surgeons, but go back and get certified the way you're supposed to if you want to do what we do. Yeah. No, I and respect the craft. Totally. Respect the the um, you know, the the process, everything, all of it. I completely get it. Yeah. Um, what do you got coming up? What's what's happening next? Um, so we're we're just parallel trying to sort of get my practice infrastructure working well and developing the wellness concept next mm-hmm. to that. And I'm hoping to take over the world, world domination. <laughs> you know, I, I I love hearing everybody uh, that's around me say, uh, looking to take over the world in their thing that means right. means so much to them. It's cool to hear when people mean it for the thing that they just mean so much to them. Yep. You know, it's different when you back to kind of think what we were talking about earlier in the conversations. But like when you just hear people who just they're tied more to the money. Like I'm taking over the world. You're like it's a lonely island, my friend. <laughs> it's very lonely. <laughs> you know, it's like well, Bezos is on it. <laughs> you know, but it's like but when you're when you're looking to take over the world for um, the fact that like. If you're going to do anything, be the best in what it is that you do for why you do it and for who you do it for, yep. right? Um, Seth Godin said, um, your goal isn't necessarily to be popular in the world. Your goal is to be popular in the world to which all the people that rely on you for. Totally. Right? Something like along that as a paraphrase, but yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of great plastic surgeons in this in this town that I'm I'm good friends with, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I didn't want to develop a practice that crushed everybody. <laughs> I mean, there's enough to go around, but what I mean is from the experience and the wellness concept, I want to dominate that because I know that what I have and what my my staff has to offer people is authentic and real, and I want people to have it. There's nothing wrong with self-love and self-worth. 
totally is really what you're saying and yeah. loving yourself that much and being worthy knowing that you're worthy to, to create something that because it's not it's not about all the other people in town right it's about the people you do it for right so love that right love that. that's uh I, I once learned a lesson a long time ago from a a, a ceo of um major luxury brand at louis vuitton and he said that to me he goes it's not about um industry or competition um people always have choices mm-hmm. um and uh industry is very noisy you know he's like it's really about your relationship with the people you're doing it for totally focus on them and that's where you know he didn't say domination but that's where domination basically comes from is like focusing constantly on them i love it yep I love awesome. It, um, where can people find you online? Okay, so uh, my Instagram is my greatest modality for connection. That's at Dr. Richard J. Brown. That's Dr. Richard J. Brown. I have also a Facebook that's uh, at Dr. Richard J. Brown 2009 because that was it was taken. Or I'm sorry, it's Brown Plastic Surgery 2009 because mm-hmm. that was taken. And then we have Twitter, which I, I hardly use. <laughs> right. I mean, who does anyone Twitter still? Uh, I guess uh, some Trump, do, some Trump, are... Trump does. <laughs> um, but, but Instagram is my biggest thing. If there's one right. thing I would say, and I'm grateful for being here because you have such a huge following, is I want to tell people, I pretty much run my Instagram. It's my hugest modality for communicating with people. If all 100,000 of your people just hit the follow button on my account, I would be grateful. I'm looking for as big of an audience as I can get, not because I'm looking for likes or followers just so I can say it. I feel like I have a message to deliver. I feel like I deliver good content. So I want people to follow my Instagram because that's really where I pour my heart and soul into my education. Well, yeah, you're constantly educating <laughs> the audience and the world on the work. Versus, you know, the the consumption side of things. You're just constantly there to, like, help people, like, know and navigate through this whole process. So Yeah, and I'll give you in the notes that there's a book website. There's a personal brand website for the book. And, awesome. um, and then, my obviously, my corporate website. Awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you coming to the studio. Yeah, I love appreciate it. Appreciate you sharing the story. You're welcome back on anytime. As, you, as you've heard, you know, it's a journey-driven podcast. So, yep. Uh, you know, you want to come back on in a few months, a year, half a year, dude, I'll come you know. back weekly if you want me. Yeah. Now. You know, you know me, I, we've just met, but I feel like we're soul brothers. I, yeah. I enjoy, um, talking about things in life and sharing what my experiences are. So I would be honored to be back with you anytime. Awesome. Thank you, brother. I appreciate yeah, you, man. Thanks for, for having me. Uh, stick, stick, stick here for just a second. Um, so everybody listening, uh, make sure you check out Dr. Richard J. Brown on Instagram, Dr. Richard J. Brown on Instagram. Um, and what was the other, um, and, uh, my, my Facebook is at Brown plastic surgery, 2009. Got it. Got it. Perfect. Um, and he's also got the, the real beauty Bible book. Make sure you check that out. Uh, I appreciate you brother for coming on the show for all of our listeners. As you guys know, uh, always appreciate you guys. Please feel free to leave a rating, not feel free. Please go do it right now. I love you for it. I love you. If you don't, I'll love you more. If you do a rating and review on, on Instagram, what am I saying on, on Apple podcasts would be great. Um, Apple actually does take those things, um, into consideration for recommending. And that is why I'm asking you guys, uh, appreciate you all for myself for the hustle sold separately. We are out.